Good morning. The conversation begins here on 94WIP. Well, sports radio, my name's Peter Solomon, and it promises to be a hot WIP Sunday, but no matter where we go, we're going to have good conversation always here on 94WIP. When we come back in just a bit after these messages, good conversation and a whole lot more. My name's Peter Solomon, and the WIP time is 6.02. And we're back, and it's conversation. My name's Peter Solomon, and you're on 94WIP All Sports Radio. And I'm pleased to welcome my next guest, Faith Thomas, author of the new book. A book, it sounds like it's for children, but it could be for all of us, Being the Best You. Good morning, Faith Thomas. Good morning. Being the best you, that's something all of our parents said to us. Is that you're just repeating the old family folk wisdom, or are you telling us something much more? I'm telling us something much more. I'm telling you to not only, you know, be the best you, but basically how to eat and how to prepare yourself for life decisions. Now, who's the audience for the book? Who have you written it for? Is it for kids, adults, or all of us? It's for everyone. I have things in there for parents. Um, I have menu plans on how um, you can kind of do things with low fat instead of always doing things with so much sugar, how you can decrease your sugar. And then in the book, it's a little story for the kids to get them motivated. Um, and it's also for, like, the adults telling the kids and for kids to understand, be yourself. Don't try to be like anyone else. You're great. What was it I think they said in your Charlie Brown cartoons? You have the singular, unique distinction of being you. Yes. And that's a pretty good distinction, certainly. What led you to write the book, Faith? Well, I have three kids. Um, I have two daughters, one and three, and then I have a son that is five. And I'm a daycare provider, and I'm always um, reading books about um, pigs and reading books about, you know, um, you know, uh, if I huff and puff, I'm going to blow you away. I wanted to give the kids, my kids, something that they can live by, something that they can understand. Um, so when they ask, can they have ice cream, they understand that ice cream is not healthy. You know, um, giving them things like if you're exercising and working out every day and if you're doing things the correct way, you won't become a diabetic. You know, you want to educate kids because a lot of kids at early ages are becoming diabetics. But do kids really want to hear this stuff? I mean, you tell them ice cream's not good for them and they'll go, yeah, right. Well, you know, what we do is we'll substitute, like, okay, I'll give you a smoothie instead. Um, and I'm like, okay, we could put some of this in there, some of that in there. We'll use strawberries. We'll use berries. And they're like, okay. I was like, but you have to help me make it. You know, with kids, my kids are so young, You, if you take one thing away and give them something else, they're like, Mom, this is good. You know, um, just giving them a better choice. But, Mom, all the kids are eating that, or all the kids have that. Guess what? You're not all the kids. You're my kid, and I want my kid to be healthy. 
My kid drinks water, and my kid um, work out and exercise and play ball with Mommy. How about we do a smoothie and we'll play dodgeball? Oh, Mommy, that sounds fun. Rather than watching um, all these shows on TV, we're having more family time because then it makes you want to snack more and eat the potato chips and no. Well, playing dodgeball. Oh, let's hit mommy with the ball. Yes, that's what we get to do. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like fun, certainly. Um, you really are concerned about the prevalence of type 2 diabetes, aren't you? Yes, and I'm also concerned um, that I'm making the right decisions with my kids because what you do at your early age, you begin to do when you get, you know, older and, you know, when you're able to make your own decisions. So you want to adapt doing things the correct way early. Okay. Um, what about snacks, though? I mean, again, sugar pops, candy bars, cookies, cake. I don't agree with that. I believe in making your own pops. Like, you could put the smoothie, um, you could take the strawberry and the berries, and you take, like, a little um, vegetables, and you put it into a pop, and then you can use different things. Like, um, what I like to do is put a little, um, you know, little peaches and the things that are more sweet, and I put it into a pop, and I freeze it. And your children like it? They love it. It's everything to them because what you're doing is you're squeezing more juice to make it have, like, a nicer taste. As I think about it, the enemy is not the sugar. The enemy is the television set that says eat the sugar. (laughs) You agree? Um... It depends on your intake, on how much you're taking, what you think. Hmm. Yeah. Like, if, if you think about it, all the juices, like, say you have apple juice today, then after you go and you do um, some potato chips, you know, that is turning into um, sweeteners. What you want to do is just limit all of that and just try to do more fruits and vegetables. That's what I'm saying. Give you an alternative. Instead of... This, I'm giving you this. Because all this stuff have artificial sweeteners and all that. And say you're drinking juice three times a day, I'm just saying put some water with it. Do something. Do the, do what is hard to do when you're an adult. You know, like when you're an adult, you want more soda. You want this. So just start living your life like that at an earlier age. Then when you get older, you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, though, um, it's hard to say no to children and not to take the easy way out. Even in two-parent families, let alone one-parent families, time is at a premium. Both parents very often are working. And you don't have time to do a lot of this cutting and chopping and smoothie making and dodgeball game playing. Time is of the essence. If you prepare at night, that's what you want to teach your kids. Prepare. You're preparing your life and everything you do, not just eating, but what are you doing with your future? You have to prepare. You have to make a a mindset, a goal set. And it's a trend to be healthy. You have to teach them. You have to talk to them. That's part of parenting. We're molding them. You know, um, it's what you put into your kids. If you want them to be the best, you have to take that time. 
You know, you can't take the easy way out. And everything that you're doing with our kids, we have to take the time. And, and we have to prepare them earlier meals. You have to know what you're going to eat. When they get out from school, you should have them some kind of, you know, what I like to do is have the cauliflower, the, um, you know, the celery, the carrot sticks, and then have like a little dipping sauce. Like you can make a hummus dipping sauce, or you can use a yogurt base and make something that tastes well and looks good. And guess what? They go for it. They love it. It's also hard to tell your children no ice cream when mommy and daddy are sneaking into the kitchen for the good stuff. <laughs> yes, we are. But you have to understand no is something that they need to learn at an early age. And life, you don't get a, a lot of a box full with yeses. You get no, 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 no. So you have to learn at an early age how to tell your kids no. You know, no is part of being a parent. No is what, you know, we have to do, you know. You can't just say yes, yes, yes. Then you have a kid that's obese. Then you have a kid that's not prepared for college. That's not what I'm about. What do the parents say who've read the book? They say this is the first time they ever read a book like this. This is unique. This is different. They really are like, wow, thank you, you know, because sometimes they do feel like, oh, my God, I just told her no ice cream, and she just had a fit with me. So they like the fact that I gave them, I didn't just say don't do this or you shouldn't do this. I gave them an alternative or I gave them something else they could do. Certainly gets complicated at times. It is, but what I'm saying in the book is prepare. Prepare your meals. Prepare, And then you don't eat out as much. And at least you know how much salt and sugar you're getting in your diet. And it's healthier when you're doing it yourself. You're not getting all the preservatives and all of that. Yeah. Some people would say, though, you're going against the four American basic food groups, sugar, fat, salt, and caffeine. Well, I guess I am. I'm going with the basic food groups. Let's get a little dairy in there. Let's get a little protein, you know, fruits and vegetables. I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes. This is my viewpoint. And in my viewpoint, I just feel like we need to educate our kids at an early age on how to eat healthier and how to prepare your life at an early age on what you want to do with your life, like, um, what are your choices, how are you going to make it, what is your roadmap in life, and you're not, you know, hard on your kids, you're just giving directions. Directions, sometimes they don't want, though. <laughs> of course they don't, but you make it fun, and you entice your kids, and you... You guide them, and you show them, and, and you're doing it with love. You're not, you know, a bitter parent or a mean. No. You're just like, you know what? I think you should do this, because if you do this, you might like this more, you know. You, you're talking them into this, you know. Yeah. Hopefully the people who are listening are still languishing in bed. They're not up yet worrying about breakfast for them and their children. How can you involve children in cooking? 
You involve them by doing it with them, going to the store, you guys learning at an early age how to read labels, and you picking out things that, you know, like I said in the beginning, you're planning this out. So you're going to get your recipes, and you're like, oh, this is good. How about this? And you're showing them, and they're putting stuff in the basket, and you guys are coming up with your own recipes, and you guys are starting at an early age how to be together as a family, as a team. All right. But in the cooking part, between the hot stove, boiling liquids, and the knives, is it easy to involve children and keep them safe? Yes. We're talking about five and six years old. You can do it with them. You're holding their hand and you're showing them. You're watching them. Now, when it comes to that part with the hot boiling stove, no, you're like, you don't have to do that part. I'll do this part. There's ways that you could do everything. You know, you're, you're working with them. You know what they can do and what they can't, you know. You can put it in there on this side, and you dice this up and cutting it with them. You're holding their hand. Yes, you're making it fun. They're picking out things. They're like, oh, Mom, this tastes good. You're making guacamole together. You guys can do it. You smash up the avocado. Yes, there's ways you can do it together. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Faith Thomas. She's an experienced child care provider and an experienced mom. And she's got a lot to say about the health and nutrition of us and our children in her new book, Being the Best You. It follows the story of children who are naturally curious and caring for others. And throughout the book... She searches for answers, trying to help them be the best person physically, emotionally, mentally that they know how to be. My name's Peter Solomon. Who do you want to read the book, Faith? I want everyone to grab the book. I want from kids to adults to parents, giving everyone the alternative to just be together as a family. (laughs) Again, you're talking about spending more time together as a family, aren't you, too? Isn't that one of the goals of the book? Yes. Spending more time together. One, this book is not just one base book. This book is about everything. Family base. It's about eating correctly. It's about working out together and thinking about how we can start motivating our kids for college, gearing them up on the right start. Your kids really have the best possible parent parents that they could possibly have because you're setting up boundaries and structure for them that they're just going to see this stuff is coming naturally. You know, um, that's one of the things that I try to do. I try to give my kids a good, um, you know, a good life. And one of the things in being a good parent is not always, you know, going the easy way. Sometimes you have to make sure that, you're putting time and you're you're thinking about what you're really doing because they're watching you. Everything that you do, they're watching. Like if you're telling them no ice cream, they're looking like, Mom, are you eating ice cream? So you just try to do things better and, and you set good examples. It's hard, though. I keep coming back to it's hard because most parents walk around exhausted from day to day. Between work and home. Nothing in life is easy. If you learn that, if they learn that one step, 
Nothing in life is easy. You have to go the extra mile to be incredible. And, you know, even with, you know, gearing them up for college, you know, if you want this, you have to understand you have to work hard. There's a million people that want to get into college. Why should they choose you? You know, there's a lot of people that are obese. Why do you not want to be obese? Why do you not want to be overweight? You have health problems. You have heart problems. You begin to lose your eyesight. Okay, so they're like, oh, no, I don't want to lose my eye. Just talk to them. You know, you have to be that person that, you know, know how to talk to your kids. They're your kids. Talk to them. Encourage them. And you're not. Stepping on their toes. It's just like, you know, you can lose your eyesight. They're like, no, I don't want to lose my eyesight. You know, at that age, you can kind of, you know, you're molding them. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to drink lots of water. I'm going to eat my carrots so my eyes can be pretty. That's all we're doing. We're just motivating them, you know. Where did you get all this good information from, Faith? Well, my mom's a nurse practitioner, um, and me, I went to King Drew Medical Magnet High School, so we always had to go um, inside the medical field, and we got to observe. I read a lot, and as a daycare provider, we have to take extra training to um, give kids on what type of food to give kids. We're not allowed to give extra sugar and preservatives, um, and we get a stipend every month, as long as we're taking the classes and we're serving the kids healthy. All important things. And I'd like to say thank you to Faith Thomas. Her new book, Being the Best You. It's good advice for all of us because it's never too late to change and learn some brand new healthy habits. Thank you, Faith Thomas. Thank you. You can get this book on Amazon, Ex Libris, and Barnes and Nobles. Absolutely. And it's been a wonderful discussion, Faith Thomas. Your delight in Washington, D.C., where you're a daycare provider, is lucky to have you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And you're listening to Conversation here on. 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. More good conversation after these messages. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP, All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. But we're going to move on now in this special edition of Conversation going on through till the 8 o'clock hour as I welcome Nancy Van Dusen. Nancy is a licensed psychologist and a licensed clinical social worker, which means she does therapy, folks. And she's got a lot to say about what she calls everyday narcissism. Good morning, Nancy Van Dusen. Good morning, Peter. It's Nancy Van Dyken. The Dyken, I'm sorry. No, no worries. Sorry. Nancy Van Dyken. All right, Nancy, what is everyday narcissism? Narcissism. Everyday narcissism, uh, Peter, is a set of core beliefs that we hold to be true. And we were first taught these under the age of five. And these beliefs drive our behaviors, emotions, and thoughts for the rest of our lives. These core beliefs are lies or myths, which are reinforced daily and everywhere, and unfortunately have a great deal of hardship and heartache for many. Fortunately, though, these wounds can be healed, Peter, and people can find peace and joy in their lives. Everyday narcissism implies to me the title anyway that there's another kind of narcissism running around out there, is there? 
Well, uh, yeah, the kind of narcissism that uh, narcissism is a popular word today. And we're not talking about the personality disorder. This is just for everyday folks like you and me and your listeners who who don't even know that they're being impacted by these beliefs. They just live by them and um, are, are certainly aren't happy with um, a lot a lot of parts of their life. And so my book is about um, uh, describing what those myths are and some of the problems that are created and how to heal those uh, those hurts that are created by those lies. All right, so, but where's the line between everyday narcissism and the personality disorder narcissism? Okay, everyday narcissism is a low-grade garden variety form of narcissism which most of us struggle with and are based on those five core beliefs um, that's not what my book is about clinical narcissistic personality disorder is what a lot of people are talking about um, but it's like the difference between someone who has a major depressive disorder and someone who uh, sits up and has coffee with his wife or her husband one morning says, gee, I've been depressed for a couple of days. So um, the major depression is a diagnosis saying I've been feeling depressed for a few days or a few weeks is not diagnosable. And that's true with everyday narcissism. It is not a diagnosis. Okay. You mentioned core beliefs. What might those be? Okay, so the easiest way perhaps to explain that is with an example. So um, in my book, I write about a five-year-old girl whose mother accidentally slammed her hand in the car door. And, of course, the little girl started uh, crying and screaming because her hand was hurting so badly. And her mother turned to her and said, "Now, now don't cry. It's just too upsetting to me. Stop your crying. So the first myth is I have the power and the responsibility to control how other people feel and behave. So at that moment, that five-year-old learned that her job and her power, she had the power to make sure that her mother was more comfortable uh, by just stopping crying. And it was her responsibility. The third myth is your needs are more important than mine. So at that moment, the five-year-old understands clearly that her need to express how much pain she was in didn't matter. Mom's need to be calmed down by her not crying was more important. Um, the second myth is if I'm taking responsibility and have the power to control how you feel, then the second myth is you have the responsibility to control how I feel and behave. Um, an example of that is if there's an abusive man, verbally or physically abusive, and he gets mad at his wife because dinner isn't on the table at 6 o'clock, and he blames her, well, he wouldn't get mad at her if she'd just have dinner on the table on time. Um, and so that's his belief that it's her job to control his anger by having dinner on the table at time or whatever else he might require. Um, the fourth myth is um, that rules are more important than I am. So I think of the ninth grader who started a new school, 
and um, uh, wanted to do really well. And in the science department, they were allowed three tardies, and, not, and they wouldn't get into trouble. And she went up to her teacher, and she said, um, Mr. Johnson, I forgot my whole... Hello? He said, but your homework will still be late, so you'll still get an F. Now, what happens in that case is um, the rule, which is supposed to serve people, becomes more important than the individual. That's called rigidity. Now, if the ninth grader had done that five, six times, for sure, you know, you can give her an F. But in the first week, uh, first time at this new school, the rule was more important than the ninth grader. And the last myth or lie is I have to do all these things, myth one through four, or I'm not lovable as I am. I, I can only do those things to, to be lovable. And so those are the main core beliefs, Peter. Basically, what you're talking about is the damage a lot of parents do to their children that they don't even know they've done. Thank you. Thank you. And we're not bad parents. We've all tried. I'm so glad you brought that up. We've all tried our best, haven't we, to be the best parents we can. But you see, we were wounded in the same way, and our parents were wounded in the same way. So wounded people wound others. Um, but the nice thing is if you, if you learn about the myths and uh, the things that I talk about in my book, you can start to heal your children today by changing how you relate to them. An example, I had a, a client who's a teacher who uh, read my book, and he came in and he said, oh, my gosh, Nancy, I see that everywhere in school. And I said, can you give me an example? He said, yeah, one of my fifth graders came up to his math teacher and said, I haven't got my math done. And the math teacher said, uh, oh, I'm so disappointed in you, John. Um, okay, so now then that puts John responsible for his teacher being uh, disappointed. But because my client had read the book and was understanding these concepts, when that child came to his class and announced that he didn't have his math done, he said, instead of making it about him, he said, well, John, I, I'm just a little concerned because if you don't learn the homework uh, that we gave you yesterday, you're going to have a hard time, you know, on Friday because you have to understand how to do that before you can know how to do this. So I really hope that you get that homework done so that you can continue learning in my class. You see what a different approach that is. Sure. One is affirming and one is destructive. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even know we're doing it. it that, that's why I say it's such a garden variety form um, of narcissism because it's so deeply embedded in us. The, a lot of the couples that come in are fighting between myth one and myth two one feeling responsible for how the other one feels and the other one blaming them for how they feel. And um, so, yeah, uh, a number of my uh, school counselors, teachers, clients have said it's a life-changing view of the world after I've read your book, Nancy. I can't see the world in the same place anymore <laughs> or in the same way anymore. Now, 
we have these five myths, and at the same time, we also have the human need to belong, to be loved, and to be liked. Exactly. How, how do they fit together? Well, um, uh, yes. So Freud said our main drive in life was sex, and Adler broke away and said, no, it's to belong. We want to fit in. We want to be liked, just like you said. And so if I learn at a young age uh, that you disapprove of me, if I don't brush my teeth just when you tell me, or you get angry at me because I didn't make my bed as you'd like me to, I have such a need and such a hunger to belong that I take on these myths in spades. I learn them so well because I want to belong. I want you to love me because you see myth five is if I don't do all the first four myths, then you're not going to love me. Okay. And, yeah. All right. Um, Nancy Van Dyke. Van Dyken. Van Dyken, I'm getting there. We have, to t- <laughs> we have to take a brief break. We'll be right back after these messages. Sure. The, the WIP time, 6.59. And we continue this morning with our special edition of Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Nancy Van Dyken, her new book, Everyday Narcissism. Good morning, Nancy, again. Good morning. Um, how, did, how did we begin to treat this? Well, first of all, how did we begin to recognize it? Or is this something someone tells us, hey, what I'm seeing is you've got everyday narcissism? Well, I think in reading my book, all of that is spelled out very clearly. And, um, um, and, and it takes practice uh, to catch ourselves, but we begin to see it uh, everywhere and... Um, and in my book, I give homework uh, for people to begin to heal the wounds that are created. You see, um, I talk about hazy trauma in my book, Peter, which is every time the three-year-old or the five-year-old, uh, let's say, is told by mom or dad to uh, go give grandma a kiss and hug goodbye because she's leaving. And the five-year-old says, no, I'm mad at grandma and I don't want to give her a kiss and hug. And the mother says, now go give her a kiss and hug or she'll feel bad. Again, the five-year-old's taught that she's supposed to take care of grandma's feelings. And she knows if she doesn't do that, mother's going to be angry too. And then if mother gets upset, she knows dad's going to be upset with her too. So um, uh, we, we learn this at such a young age. And as people read my book, they start to see it in themselves, but they see it even more easily out in the world. Uh, For instance, the person in the restaurant who gets mad at the server for not getting their coffee to them fast enough. Um, After all, that's what she's supposed to do. Or the people on the highway who have get angry because someone pulls in front of them and those 10 feet are my 10 feet. and, and, And you start to recognize that people in the world, everywhere, you can see it once you start to learn about it and read about it. It's, it's spelled out pretty clearly in the book. And then there's concrete homework for all of the myths and all of the other problems, such as shame. Um, when you're told over and over again that your needs don't matter, you develop quite a bit of shame. And every time I have to give Grandma a kiss goodbye and I don't want to, that's like a paper cut. 
and then I disappoint the teacher, and that's a paper cut. And um, then dad's mad at me because I didn't mow the, the lawn quite right, and that's a paper cut. Well, we all know how much paper cut hurts. And so pretty soon, one paper cut after another, after another, after another, creates a pretty serious wound. And what's hard about the wounds created by everyday narcissism, they're hazy. You can't say, I was sexually abused. Well, we know that's a wound. It's even against the law. Or we know that um, um, uh, when our parents uh, beat us, we learn as we get older that that's against the law too. But these hazy cuts are so normal. They're so everyday. They're so pervasive that we don't even know we're traumatized. So in the book, a lot of this is explained, and then a lot of homework is given to heal it. So when you learn that your needs don't matter, uh, what you learn is you're not important. What you learn is you're not very worthwhile. Um, You feel really discounted. And so there are specific directions in the book how to begin to heal our shame, how to have better boundaries uh, with other people. Um, One piece of homework, for instance, I have a chapter on lying to survive, it's called, because we learn to lie in order to belong. So someone gives us a Christmas present, uh, a purple sweater with... um, yellow hearts on it and we're trained to say oh grandma i just love this sweater it's so wonderful i so appreciate it and in the meantime we're thinking i can't wear this anywhere i'm a man i don't want to wear a purple sweater with yellow hearts but we're taught to lie to grandma and so i try to teach how you can be gracious and honest at the same time so that's part of the homework Uh, for instance i would teach someone in that case to say Not to lie, uh, but to say, Grandma, that was so kind of you to take the time to buy me this sweater. I really appreciate uh, your going out and doing that. It means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So I can be honest and gracious and grateful without having to lie. I'd like to say thank you to Nancy Van Dyken, therapist, author, psychologist, her new book, Everyday Narcissism. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, thank you, Peter. It's my pleasure.